You know, sometimes you meet someone who surprises you by their personality, their achievements, and their vision. And we definitely have such a person on this podcast. I'm delighted to present the remarkable Toomey Frazier, who having been raised in a poor township in South Africa, by her own self-will and education, is now a social entrepreneur making a difference both in South Africa and in the USA. Toomey works with South African women to help them start and build their businesses, usually as first-time entrepreneurs, which gives themselves and their families an income. She's also working with corporations in the USA to help promote diversity in hiring and promotion, using technology to analyze their hiring and promotion patterns and to adjust the policies accordingly. Toomey talks about how she was helped through her high school and university education by building relationships with supportive mentors. And when you think about the context of that, it's quite interesting story. I found Toomey to be a very remarkable and inspiring person whose infectious energy and leadership is making a difference today. And she plays out, as you might expect, on a very inspiring song. I'm pretty confident you're going to enjoy this podcast. It's a tough competitive business to drive telecom sales. But now there is a new channel that is making all the difference for innovative companies. That's the Digital Sales Channel. At Netzer, we are the leading digital sales channel provider for telecoms companies. Our customers can testify to our ability to listen and implement solutions that work for them. If you are a mobile operator, an MVNO or an eSIM provider, We'd like to understand your business issues and work with you to drive your sales. Contact pat.flynn at netzer.com and we can talk. Welcome to the podcast this week, and I'm delighted to have Toomey Frazier, who I've been struggling trying to define, Toomey, exactly what you do. First of all, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Pat. It's really great to be here. No, not at all. So Toomey is South African-born, lives in South Africa and Atlanta, Georgia, and is has worked. Uh, she let, I'll let Toomey explain because I'm going to mess this up. So, like, first of all, Toomey, um, you know, you work with in both continents, which is really interesting, and you work in different markets in both continents, but they're connected, shall we say. Is Would that be fair so far? Yes, that's right. Um, the connection is really from the um, underserved or unserved markets. That's really my focus. This is why diversity, equity, and inclusion is central to what I do. Any solution that we focus on, tech solution, we look at the inclusion, the, the, you know, the markets that have been excluded, whether from the digital um, space itself or any other area. So it's really the underserved markets. That's right. Right. And specifically in North America, you, you deal with corporates. And as I understand it, in Africa, you deal directly with entrepreneurs. Would that be fair? 
Right, right. So um, fourth wave tech, just to um, elaborate on that, you know, we we use technology, we leverage technology to solve both business and socioeconomic challenges. So that's really what we do. And so we're looking at how we can take technology and solve the most pressing issues. So in 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 corporate America, for instance, when you I mean, you, you know, right now, um, the United States has really been um, up in arms with all these racial tensions. And, and many corporations have come out to say, hey, we want to do better when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So the, the, the software that we have developed um, helps leaders to actually um, to reduce bias in the interview and recruiting process and, and have insights into why we're still dealing with diversity inclusion issues so many years later. And in and, and that way, whatever the pain points are, whether it's in the recruitment of the candidates themselves or the mobility of the candidates internally. So the leaders now have in insights where they can understand and correct, you know, areas where they need to correct to have a more diverse and inclusive culture, which mm-hmm. actually ultimately impacts um, bottom line, you know, because innovation comes from diverse perspectives and diverse people, especially when you're serving a large number of markets or different markets. Um, so multinationals, for instance, because they work with many people all over the world. So it is fair to say that they need to have a diverse um, kind of, you know, um, look and feel about them. Okay, no, that's that's really interesting to me. So just, we'll just roll back a second. How did you get into this space? Um, the, the diversity space itself or the technology part or both? Both, yeah, both. Okay, well, you know, Um, Being South African, I mean, I was born in South Africa and given the South African history of apartheid, I consider, you know, diversity, inclusion is, is very personal to me mm-hmm. because I grew up in the, in, the, in the days where, you know, black people were excluded from, you know, mainstream services, excluded from the digital um, 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 world. So, so. Over the years, I have, you know, after our own liberation, if you know, you have followed South African history, political history with Mandela being released from prison after 27 years in 1994. And we had our own liberation. And what the country needed to do then was to say, okay, how do we move forward together? You know, instead of black people reversing what was done to them over the years is, you know, Mandela's um, um, focus was how do we then mend and correct the injustices of the past and move forward? So mm-hmm. for me, it's, it's this, this in, you know, correcting injustices is very personal. So I spend most of my time because over the years, anyway, I studied psychology in understanding human nature, you know, why people are wired the way they are wired. Um, And and together with that, uh, I, you know, I worked with corporations in terms of, you know, understanding leadership, understanding human mind, why we do what we do, you know, what, what, what fear can get us to do, because for the most part, people tend to, to, to hate that which they fear somehow. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, so that understanding of human behavior and, and then the change, because I went into change management as well, studied industrial psychology as well. So it helped me really 
um, you know, help me equip myself to with expertise to help leaders in South Africa to say, okay, how do we move forward now to include the people that have been excluded in the past? But what was important at the time also was to say, how do we include them? First of all, if you've been excluded from the mainstream services, from the education, from the uh, technology aspect, we needed to make to to actually focus more on the education of the people. Right. How to equip them? Um, because you cannot compete fairly if you haven't had opportunities to access to education, better mm -hmm. education and skills and and all of that. So this is why. I spend my time in coaching on entrepreneurship development, leadership development, um, and especially for women, because my heart is with women, because it doesn't matter what color you are. As females, we've, we've kind of like been left behind right. over the years, and we are still struggling with that even now. Well, so, let, me, let me jump in here, because I can tell you that uh, uh, you've no problem putting your case forward. <laughs> but what, would, what does that <laughs> What does that mean in practice? So, like, if you I mean, if you, what would a typical client of yours in in South Africa be? And we say it's a black woman. Right? What what can you? How do you work with them to to give them what they need to do? So, with black women, for instance, um, as as a coach, because I, you know I come from different areas. I run. I'm a partner in a technology company, but then at the same time, I've been you know I consider myself a um, an embodiment of empowerment. So what what where I started over the years was to actually say to the ladies, we need to to step up. First of all, you got to believe in yourself that you are able, you have in you capabilities, and be open to learning. Um, but then also. So um, work with men, work with the very same people who still have the powers and the resources as sponsors and advocates, because on our own, we can just talk about and complain day in, day out and say, oh, well, you know, we're not getting the opportunities. But there are men that I believe and leaders who really get it and mm -hmm. are willing, you know, to, to, to walk the walk with us. So the key is as being available, because I know while we may say there aren't many opportunities for women, there are, I've, I've come across uh, organizations and leaders that have said, you know what, I have opened up opportunities for women, but they're not coming through. So it's one thing to, to say the door is closed, but when it's open, do we now walk through? So now we got to actually, for me, it's, it's equipping women to recognize opportunities and mm -hmm. be ready when those opportunities come, because mm -hmm. it's one thing to, you know, and, and you got to work on yourself and make sure that you equip yourself, invest in yourself. Um, and also that invest, investing in career development and leadership or entrepreneurship development, it's all our own responsibilities. Yes, corporations can help, but we got to take the initiative and be inquisitive enough and, you know, seek help and want to know more and come okay. to the table. You know, that whole lean in things, we got to lean in. Sure. So, okay, to me, so like... Um... What you're saying is that uh, you have you try and engender in your clients the confidence to go and seek opportunities and that some of that are there, but you you clearly don't suffer from any lack of self confidence. Or <laughs> 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 uh, what what made to me? You know how you how are you such a fantastic communicator and uh, full of energy well, <laughs> person? How are you so enthusiastic yeah. about this? 
let me tell you something. Here's a very interesting story. So I, as I mentioned, I grew up in the times. Many people look at me and say, oh, you must have gone to the best schools and all. And I thought, I say to people, so, I, sorry, have, I didn't me, go to any private schools. Do, you did, know? You, did you say you grew up in a township? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, in a so, township so, where... So, so, so to me, sorry for making presumptions about you. So you, you wouldn't have grown up with the most luxurious lifestyle. Oh, no, not at all. Let me tell you, my father was a driver. Um, um, He drove trucks. My mother worked in a factory. I mean, we had no electricity in my home, you know, so so that that's just how that's where I come from. But what made a difference, I remember, and, and, and I went to the same schools in the townships where we were about 40 in one class, and maybe shared about five, 10 textbooks, maybe when we were lucky. So the one thing that I did differently, I remember I was very close to my English teacher at the time. Um, this I, I just thought she was a fantastic lady. And she spoke very well. And she said to us, you know, if you want to be good at what you do, especially if you want to learn the English language, you got to read. Let me tell you, from that day on, I started reading. I, I read novels. And in fact, I used to exchange uh, novels with my English teacher. And I would read every time I came across a word, I would actually check the dictionary and know how, you know, just learn what understood what it meant. Mm-hmm. And then when I went back to school, I would incorporate that word in my, in my, in my, you know, sentences. I remember telling my uh, classmates that, you know, because we used to speak in our native languages and I would say to them from now on, I don't understand any of your languages. When you speak to me, you got to speak English. Mm-hmm. And they actually started calling me names. You know, when they called, they call me a coconut. I don't know if you know that. What that means. Yeah, so that didn't set you, but like, that's uh, first of all, let's just go what you just said there. Do you think that the English teacher empowered you or helped empower you? Oh, absolutely. That English teacher made an impact in my life because. Once I understood because that and 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 because she said, because we used to speak in our own languages and English didn't come, you know, it's not our natural, it's not mm-hmm. our native language. And when I started reading, that's when I picked up the English language. So communication became my competitive advantage from an early age. Right. So even when I went to the university and then I studied, when I went to the university, I went to the Afrikaans University and it was one of the best universities in South Africa. But because we didn't understand the Afrikaans language as black people, because it was a very difficult language, I decided I was going to go study there and no one else. You know, that was after Mandela, after 1994. Um, and the school was now open to black people. But then, of course, they knew not many black people would register sure. enroll there because they didn't understand. It was, you know, the medium was in, in, in Afrikaans. But lo and behold, I went and studied there. And I remember my first day in class when the lecturers and the professors were speaking, I could not understand a word. <laughs> now, <laughs> and the one thing I remember going to ask, and I say, please, can I be allowed to write in English at least? I will educate myself. And now I understand studying psychology in Afrikaans. Mm-hmm. And one of the other parts I called was neuropsychology. So we were studying the mind, how the mind, you know, when you've been in an accident, how that impacts your left brain and you know the the communication part in you know so almost like all that in Afrikaans Mm -hmm. but let me tell you Pat 
when I left the university, when I graduated, my Afrikaans was superb. Mm. And I remember even saying to my uh, professors, I was actually one of the students who used to do outpatient counseling um, at one of the hospitals. And I was elected to be in one of the um, groups that went overseas. And I remember calling my, I had a favorite um, professor, Professor Wolf. I called him and said, oh, Professor, you know, this is, um, Timmy, you know, the black student in your class, because I was the only one at the time. <laughs> and his response to me was, you didn't have to describe yourself that way. Yeah. I know who you are, and you are one of my best students. That's how I describe you. So, and that for me was like, oh, wow, you know, but it took a lot for me to be, to have the courage to, um, to, can can, can I ask you, Timmy, this is a difficult question for me to put to you, but I'm sort of curious. Did you feel, you felt comfortable in South African society at the time, bearing in mind, there's still a lot of, um, you know, structural inequalities and so on, but you, did you feel you could work the system? You know, was Toomey Frazier the woman who's going to break this system? Well, you know, it. no, I didn't feel like I was going to break the system. I tell you why, because especially when you're part of it, and this is why at an early age, I decided I wasn't going to be your a regular eight to five type of employee, because then I was going to be swallowed into the system because you cannot be the change that you want to be while you're within, you know, you, you almost like get you know, well into the status quo. So the system itself, I mean, even to date, we, we've made strides, but there are still things that need to, um, to, to be, you know, to be dealt with. So over the years, you know, there are certain things, I work with the system that is willing to, you know, areas where you can see there is, you can have an impact. You know, there are things mm-hmm. that you, you cannot change and that you cannot change. You just kind of say, you know what, I'm not going to fight these battles. Um, so I my focus has always been where I can see an, an influence and where I can see that the environment is flexible enough. You know, that is why there's been a light even in my life, even at the university, as as rough as it was. I had a great one of the great professors, you know, so that becomes a light and somebody who believes in you, somebody who opens the door. Then that is a bit of a relief because you may not uh, change the entire system, but in your little corner where you are, if you can influence one person at a time, then for me, that that, 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 that's that's, that's an achievement, you know, one at a time. Yeah. So no, I mean, I I set that bar very high, but you you understand what I meant. So so look, like, let me feed you feedback to you. Three things I've noticed about you talking here. One is like, you've a huge emphasis in your life in communications. Yeah, and like clearly, you, you know, you can talk for South Africa, so that's good. Um, but like your 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 mastery of English and Afrikaans, that's one. The other thing is that you are you're very concerned about other people, uh, you know, and I think that empathy probably helps you build relationships with your, those mentors who you mentioned, Professor Wolf and your English teacher, but also obviously with your clients. Now, but the third thing that struck me is you're, you're very pragmatic about what you can and what you can't do, and make the system. You know, look for look for allies who help you. Would that be would that be a fair synopsis of of Toomey? Absolutely. I I consider myself a social entrepreneur. You know, I I believe in you know um, using profits for purpose. 
Um, so this is why um, even the technology part, and I say, well, how do we close the digital gaps? In fact, you know, the empathy right now comes from looking at the world we live in, um, in the middle of COVID or just about, you know, the COVID crisis also has kind of like um, illuminated the need, the, the, the need for us to close the gaps that exist, you know, um, with, within the markets that are unserved. Mm-hmm. And, and this is why digital right now, when we say, well, how do small businesses um, pivot after COVID? Without technology, it's, it's literally impossible. So mm-hmm. when you then say, well, why don't we have access? Many people still don't have access to technology, or if they do have access to it, it's costly. You know, connectivity is costly in Africa. So these are the dynamics that, um, you know, impacts even um, us as technology companies in, in giving solutions. So I'm going back and say, well, how about we come up with user-friendly solutions, you know, that are user-centric? Um, and in Africa, everybody has a cell phone. So how about we put all those services, whether it's financial technology, whether it's agri-tech, put it on a mobile phone. And, and then what you mentioned earlier, Pat, you're very right. I, you know, communication is my strength and I build relationships relationships really very, very easily, even Mm -hmm. with the powers that may be. And even right now, I'm bringing together the ecosystems that I'm bringing together from government, multinationals, um, you know, and and, and people with, with voices who can do something about situations and say, hey, here I am, how can we solve this situation? Mm-hmm. So um, so I am able to build those kind of relationships and I am grateful for some of the partners that I have brought together um, to the table to try and resolve these financial technology challenges, the digital gaps that exist in emerging markets and even the racial tensions that exist in, 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 in the United States and how corporations can and, you right. know, so, fix it. So these are the kind of things that I'm are really dear to my heart. Sure. Uh, to, to me, maybe we just talk a little bit about um, working in, in the U.S. So what what would you do if a corporation comes to you and say, Tumi, can you help us? What how do you have a process that you go through to work with them or how, how does it work? Yes, right now, actually, with our, um, what we we do, we have um, a software that reduces the bias, but, you know, a tool is a tool is a tool. Um, you still have, you still need people um, who are committed to, to doing what is right. So we look at the policies, we look at the, first of all, when you're talking diversity, equity, inclu- and inclusion, um, they have to be it has to come from the top. There has to be commitment right from the top. And the policies have to speak to saying, hey, we wanna create a culture that is inclusive. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then once you have that, then your processes also have to be very clear and educate the people internally and say, okay, this is how we're gonna deal um, with our inclusion policy. And this is how we're going, this is the strategy. So we look at the policies, the strategies and the processes and and then the systems, you know, so the system comes later because it doesn't really help 
for us to say, oh, we're going to put a tool together that's going to help you uh, reduce bias in your interview processes, et cetera. Sure, but then sure, the policies sure. don't support, you know, um, diversity and inclusion is really not even priority in your yeah. policies. So there is never going to be any commitment. So we work with the corporation to really understand what your challenges are, where you wanting to go, where the gaps are. Is it education in terms of the leaders? Do they understand the dynamics? Uh, where things have gone wrong. And, you know, so we work together with them and we look at the frameworks. If your frameworks, you've had your frameworks in the last 20 years that are not inclusive and you use the very same framework as as your data into the tool, guess what? You're going to get exactly the same thing, you know, as analytics. So then we work with the customer and say, let's unpack your framework um, so that once we um, put it into this um, the system, you get better data that is reliable, that, you know, you can actually even, it can tell you where, highlight certain challenges. For instance, if you've been using our software for a while, we can literally pick up the challenges that you have, certain questions that are problematic with some demographic. Maybe, you know, it's, it's with women or younger generation or whatever, and we say, hey, Mr. So-and-so, you may want to look at that question for you because most candidates um, uh, struggle with it. You may want to rephrase it. You may want to mm-hmm. change it. So, so inherent biases in, in the process. Okay, look, Tumi, this is really brilliant. And thanks. Um, I really found that fascinating. You're clearly a force of nature, I have to say. Like, um, <laughs> I don't, I, I think if they, if you, if you were dropped on a desert island, you know, within the year, you'd be uh, running the place, you know, so like a, <laughs> I'm you know, really uh, very impressed with everything you've done. Thank you, Pat. I appreciate that. No, not at all. It's uh, delighted to have you on this and to talk about important topics. Now, so on, on the podcast, the guest nominates the play out song. So what, what would you like us to play out on? Oh, I would like you to play um, Rise Up by Andra Day. I love that song because, you know, it's something, one song that has kept me going throughout COVID, um, you know, very inspirational. And it, it just lets you know that you can rise up from any situation, basically. <laughs> <laughs> okay, brilliant. How, how can people contact you, Tumi? What's a good way for people to contact you? Um, I am, I, I have my email and then our website is fourthwave, www.fourthwavetech. Um, dot com um, or to me at fourthwavetech.com. Okay, brilliant to me. Uh, thank you very much for, it's a privilege to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Pat. It's been lovely. Okay, no, thank Already. you. You're broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round and you can't find a fighter but I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out Move mountains We gon' walk it out and move mountains And I rise up, I rise like the day I rise up, I rise unafraid I rise up, and I
And we'll rise. 